Thanks for joining us for today's sermon. We are always so encouraged to hear how God is working in your life. If the messages of this church have touched you in some way, please share that with us by clicking on the contact tab at lifesc.org to send us an email. And if you would like to give to this ministry, you can do so online to help us bring messages just like this one to you each week. It is our prayer that God blesses you through this message today. I want to look at the book of Acts because that is where the church was born. That is where we find the historicity of the church. And that is where we find how the church was established. And so we're going to go to Acts chapter 1, verse 4 through 8. It says, And being assembled together with them, commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem, but wait. Everyone say, wait for the promise. Everyone say, promise all throughout the Old Testament, which I don't like using the word old anymore because I feel like I'm getting older. And so now, from now on, pastor's gonna call it the Lesser Testament. We're just gonna remove old altogether. The promise was all through the Lesser Testament. Amen. And so he's linking everything that was in the past to the experience that they're about to have. And he said, go wait for it. It's been promised. Search the scriptures. You'll know. He said, of the Father, which saith he, ye have heard of me. It's Jesus speaking in red letters here. He said, the promise speaks of me. For John truly baptized with water, but ye shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost not many days hence. Or not long from now. Acts 2, 1 through 4. It says, and when the day of Pentecost was fully come, and they were all in one accord. That's one small Honda. It's a clown car. Jesus was saving them from themselves. Uh, they were all in one accord. Okay, no, I'm not going to use that joke next year. In, the, in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as a rushing mighty wind. Everybody say wind. That is the Greek word pneuma from which we get pneumatic tools from. It means that wind that comes, that Holy Spirit, Spirit is that same word pneuma. The Holy Spirit is gonna do the work. Wind powered, Spirit powered. That's all applicable here. Heaven, rushing mighty wind, pneuma, that filled all the house where they were sitting. Everyone say sitting. They weren't standing, they weren't holy rolling, they were sitting, they was tired. They'd been there a while. So the Holy Ghost is not predicated on your physical position. Amen, somebody? Okay. And they appeared unto them, cloven tongues like as a fire, and it sat upon each of them. That's important, but I can't touch it this week. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as a spirit gave them utterance. Amen, somebody. Now let's flip over to Acts 16. I know y'all are standing like preacher is long-winded with his text. Acts 16, 16. The Bible says, And it came to pass, as we went, as we went to prayer, a certain damsel possessed with the spirit of divination, this divining things, or looking to other spirits to get wisdom to tell others, met us, which brought her masters much gain through Susain. The same followed Paul and, 
and us and cried saying these men are the servants of the most high God which show unto us the way of salvation notice she had an evil spirit a spirit of divination but she knew those that knew the way of salvation notice that and that did and this did she many days but Paul being grieved turned and said unto the spirit I command notice he didn't say it to her he said to the spirit I commanded thee in I command thee in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her and he came out and that same hour and when her master saw that the hope of their gains was gone they caught Paul and Silas and drew them into the marketplace where they always hold counsel unto the rulers and brought them to the magistrates saying these men being Jews do exceedingly trouble our city and teach customs which are not lawful for us to receive neither to observe being Romans stop it they said and the multitudes rose up together against them and the magistrates rent off their clothes they shamed them and then they threw them in prison and commanded them to be beaten amen this is uh this is amazing they were shamed beaten and when they had laid many stripes upon them they cast them into prison charging the jailer to keep them safely who having received such a charge thrust them into the inner prison there was an inner prison doesn't how matter doesn't matter how deep you get in God can get you out okay I'll get back to the text and made their feet fast in stocks so they put their feet in stocks and at midnight Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises unto God and the prisoners heard them and suddenly there was a great earthquake so that the foundations of the prison were shaken and immediately all the doors were opened and every one's hands were loosed bands were loosed amen I want to preach to you for a little while on the subject let freedom reign let freedom reign God gave us a higher freedom in the spirit so that when we step into places that seem like a prison we can celebrate no matter where we are and so I say to us today don't look at your circumstances or your situation or your struggle look at the God who brought his spirit to you so that you could celebrate and like John said I was in the spirit on the Lord's day in prison on the Isle of Patmos he was in the spirit on the Lord's day there's a place where we sit with God in heavenly places it's when we worship into the throne room of God and we can be in all kinds of circumstances and struggles but we sit down with him in heavenly places that's the freedom he bought for us at the cross amen and I want to let that freedom reign over every other thing in my life let's pray Lord we thank you for this day Happy birthday to your church, your bride. Thank you for your spirit that bought us, caught us, sought us, recovered so many of us from ways and snares we could not get out of ourselves. Thank you, God, for teaching us today to let freedom reign. In Jesus' mighty name, everyone said amen. Before we go to our seats, would you just pray for Katie real quick? Angie's at home with her. Would you just lift your hand one more time? Lord, we ask you to touch Katie. She's not feeling well today. Anybody who's struggling in body today in sickness, touch them right now. In Jesus' name, it only takes a small prayer for a big God to do great things. So we pray a prayer. We've asked. I've got the text message. I told her we'd have the church pray. We pray in Jesus' name. Everybody said an amen.
You may be seated in the house of the Lord. Oh, hallelujah. It's a place you never want to go. No one would ever choose to be there. Sometimes it's not intentional. But when you don't do things intentionally, you automatically do things unintentionally. And there's a lot of people that want to be saved, but they haven't intentionally pursued their salvation. And so in doing so, they're unintentionally unsaved. And you would ask them, do you love the Lord? And they would say yes. You would ask them, do you want to have a freedom like no other? And they would say yes. But unless you're intentional about letting freedom reign in your life and salvation, you will unintentionally find yourself in the prison of sin and shame. God wants his church to be intentional about reaching souls. Amen? Okay, we're past that. That's good. That was the hard stuff. As a boy, I remember being 12 years old and standing just inside the initial door, the big metal door at the prison in Alaska. My stepdad had gone to prison for abuses to myself and my sister. And I was standing inside and my mother was still married to him. I really don't want to talk about the, the social ramifications of that, but I do want to say this, that I remember standing there and I remember the glass window and I remember my stepdad and I could see men moving around in their jumpsuits inside the prison. And I saw my stepdad come to the door and for me, I didn't, I was trying to see what goes on inside the prison. What, what's going on in there? Because they can never, some of those men could never come out. They were in there for life and what a, devastating thing to have a prison sentence that is life because the only thing that is the greatest price to pay is to pay with your time for your crime because you cannot get time back. There's things lost that can never be regained. You cannot watch your children grow up. You cannot get back a birthday or a celebration. You suffer great consequences when you have a life in prison, loss of time and loved ones and all different kinds of things. And, and you can't do what you want to do. You can't march to the beat of your own drum. You have to do what you're told. No longer do you have freedom. You lose your ability to make your own decisions. And it's a horrible place to be. It's not an enjoyable place to live. It, it, there's, there's things that happen inside prisons, violence break out. It's not just that you're sequestered from society, but it's also that you are in a dangerous place with other dangerous people. And so we see that whenever you deal with those that are bound and confused and held prisoner, there's more than just bars and mortar holding people today for there are people that are emotionally bound and spiritually bound and they need a savior to set them free amen he came to set us free and so in john it says if if the son of god give me john eight thirty six. media team stay with me today because i feel like a raging lion caged right now and i have a whole lot to get through
If the Son of Man therefore shall make you free, you shall be free indeed. And also 2 Corinthians 3.17 tells us, Now the Lord is that Spirit. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. Amen? And the Bible also says that in his presence is fullness of joy. If you don't have joy, maybe you haven't been in his presence. Prayer puts us in the presence of God. If you spend more time in prayer, I guarantee you, you will spend more time in God's presence. And in God's presence, there are two things. There's strength and joy. And so we understand that there is more than just a bars and brick prison in life. There are some people that are bound by things they cannot get out of. And the Bible says that the salvation of the Lord is the perfect law of liberty. In other words, that no matter what you come encounter with, there's a higher law of liberty through Christ Jesus, amen? And that all should come through him because you cannot get to the Father lest you come through Jesus Christ. What does that mean? That means that God Almighty that had commissioned Jesus Christ to be our propitiation, big word, our substitution, our atonement, and that through that atonement we come back to God. It wasn't that God was separating himself from the Son. It was that God was saying, I'm going to be in a body so that I can save my body so I can produce in the salvation of the church a bride and that bride is going to be white and that bride is going to be spotless without wrinkle or any such thing and in order to do that I must recover them from the prison that they fell into called sin and so God has a heart for prisoners because I was one I was one and so we see every situation that as you watch Jesus work in the scriptures, you see places where he releases people from the prisons that they are in. And it's not just bars and it's not just places where they're confined, but it's confinements of the heart, confinements of the spirit. And Jesus is still doing that today in the church. Amen? See the woman with an issue of blood, 12 years, she had spent all she had. She was hopeless and helpless and she found out there was a Messiah coming and she heard maybe in the Old Testament that in his wings would be healing, amen? The wings it was talking about was that garment that the Jewish man would wear. When he would lift his hand, it looked like he had wings because he was wearing the Jewish tallit. And she understood, she got a revelation that Jesus was God in flesh and in his tallit or his garment would be healing. If you touch that which is touching God, there is an ebb and flow of God's issue that can come to you. And that's why people like to be around preachers because they spend a lot of time in prayer and fasting and they think if I'm touching the preacher, I'm okay. But you need to get your own touch of God. You need to get your own walk with God. You need to push the plate back every once in a while and get your own fasting going because you can touch God and you can see God move and heal. And so she got the revelation. If I can just touch the hem of his garment so she didn't let the crowd keep her from getting to Jesus. She didn't let those that stood in the way keep her from getting to Jesus. She got on her feet and she crawled and when she touched the hem of his garment, that Jewish tallit, that garment that spoke of his authority, you can study it in the Old Testament. She was healed and immediately that 
bleeding that was profuse dried up and Jesus spun around. Everybody else was bumping into him, but nobody had touched Jesus. It's okay that you came to church today and somebody may not be interested in touching Jesus like you want to touch Jesus, but I'm not interested in rubbing up against religion. I'm not interested in bumping against a good worship service. I am here today to touch the hem of the almighty God's garment and see God do something and release an issue that brings freedom in this house. His freedom's higher than anything. It's higher than a blood disease. We find out through the woman with an issue of blood. What about Lazarus? He was dead. That's pretty permanent. It's not going to come back unless something changes. Jesus waits too long to heal him. That was a pretty difficult blow to Mary. But he shows up and he said, I'm the resurrection and the life. I'm going to give you a revelation that brings a man, it rips a man out of a grave. Amen. So he said, take me to where you've laid him. And he said, Lazarus, come forth. And when he called him, he had to call him by name or everybody in the cemetery would have got up. You may not have that kind of faith, but I have that kind of faith. It would have looked like walking dead for a few minutes. They would have all come out and he would have said, loose them from their bands. He wasn't only willing to release Lazarus from the grip and the snare of death, but he was willing for them to participate in loosing his bonds and garments off of him. The church is a participate, is a participant in the freedom that God gives to the church. The church is a participant in helping people be loosed. He may raise them in his power of the Holy Ghost, but we can walk over and say, that doesn't have to be on you anymore. You don't have to deal with that anymore. You can be set free from from that thing. You can be released from that drama. You don't have to walk in those ways anymore. Why? Because the church is designed to let his freedom reign. Amen, somebody. So I'm so grateful that Jesus had a heart for those in prison. Tell you a story, probably shouldn't tell it, probably shouldn't put it on the internet. Better have a drink of chai before I say it. Because that's how I roll. Oh, that's so good. <laughs> now I can preach. <clears throat> Don Kessler was a man I knew about. He lost his leg. He had gone through drug and alcohol rehab, and he was calling his pastor, asking if the pastor would take him to the court because he was going to, he was going to be dealing with the final situation of his judgment and he was coming out of prison, so he was released. They released him, and uh, he wasn't able to pay because of the sickness that he was going through. He wasn't able to pay his rent, so he's behind on his rent several months, and the church just wasn't big enough. You know, we know, we know what that's like. The church just didn't have enough revenue to help him out. So the pastor went to the landlord. He said, look, I know you're running a business. I'm not asking you to do extreme measures. Just would you write a recommendation letter so we can help this man? I don't want it to see him. I don't want to see him relapse into drugs and alcohol. Would you just help us somehow to get him into another place? They got him into another place to rent. And they, the landlord said, sure, I'll give you a letter of recommendation. They moved him into another place, got him into a 
better situation. Then he called the pastor back a few weeks later and said, Pastor, I got a sore in my foot. It won't heal. The doctor says it's moving through my bloodstream. They're going to have to take my leg. And they're going to have to take it at the, at the knee. And so he said, I, I'm, I'm fine with it. I know I did some things that destroyed my body with the drugs I took and the things that I did. And, and I'm okay with it. And so he, went, he took him to the hospital the day of the surgery. And they took, it off, took his leg off at the knee. And then the, the reports came back. It just wasn't healing right. And they said, we're sorry. We didn't get it all. It traveled through the thigh. And we're going to have to take it, your leg off at the hip. And he's like, okay, I'm fine with that. And Don sat there in a wheelchair in a service one day. And they began to sing the song, I am free to run. I am free to dance. And Don didn't have the ability to run or dance. But in his spirit, he did. He had the spirit of the Lord inside of him and he began, well, he didn't have it right at that moment, but in the situation, he was starting to worship God. He was seeking the spirit of God. And so the pastor went over to him and he knew that he was struggling with the whole, the whole situation with the leg being removed. And, and he went over and he took his hand. And he said, he said, Don, I know you want to dance. I know you, you're singing this song without, without reservation and you can't get out of that wheelchair, but I'm going to hold your hand and I'm going to dance for you like you would dance if you wanted to right now. And they began to dance and worship and Don was moving his wheelchair best he could to worship the Lord. He didn't care what anybody thought. He had a praise for the Lord in his prison house, amen? It's very dangerous to put a praiser in prison because you will mess up that prison house. You will tear up that wheelchair praising the Lord. You will do everything you can to get a praise out because you have a higher freedom pulsing inside your spirit than that which your body is confined you to, amen, somebody? And so he began to praise God with his wheelchair and pastor was dancing and he began to speak in tongues as the spirit gave him utterance and God filled him so beautifully and the thing that was resident in his life was the fact that while he was worshiping and while he was doing all of these things, everybody else started seeing old Don worshiping in the wheelchair and they said, if he can do it and he doesn't have a good leg, well then I can dance if I got two good legs and if he can lift his hand and praise or use his wheelchair, then I can use whatever I have to praise my Lord. And it set a fire in that church. They began to have revival off of one man in a wheelchair, missing a leg, recovered from drugs and alcohol, who got filled with his spirit, and it changed out the landscape of that church. I believe that when you let the spirit of God reign, when you let the power that was poured out on Pentecost reign in your life, there's no prison house that can hold you, amen? So we see, I'm not gonna be long today, I promise. I'm gonna try to be very brief, but I need this to impact your spirit. Spiritual deliverance is the greatest freedom known to man. That's why when Jesus walked the earth, a lot of times he said, your sins are forgiven thee, and then he healed them. He wanted to set the precedent that you being saved is more important than you being healed. You being saved is more important than you being released from the prison that you're in right now. Whether that's sickness or bondage or struggle, whatever it is, Jesus does identify with the prisoner. You remember the story of the people that came to Jesus and said, Jesus, we love you. We've done so much for you. We want to move this relationship forward. We're ready for everything that you have for us. And Jesus said, depart from me. I never knew you. And they said, what, what do you mean I never, you never knew me? We, 
We've done works in your name. We've cast out devils in your name. We've done a many, many ministries in your name. And Jesus said, when I was a thirst, you did not give me drink. When I was hungry, you did not feed me. When I was in prison, you did not visit me. And they said, when, when were you thirsty and hungry and in prison, Jesus? When were you ever in that situation? And Jesus said, when you've done it unto the least of these, you've done it unto me. In other words, what Jesus was saying is, I identify with the prisoner no matter who they are. If it's the prison of sickness, the prison of mental struggle, he said, if it's their suffering, it's my suffering. If it's their trouble, it's my trouble. If it's their problem, it's my problem. If you don't visit them, you haven't visited me. If you neglect them you've neglected me and he said that is why I tell you I do not know you because you did not go to the least of these and so why do I sometimes feel compelled to reach to people that nobody else wants to reach to because if you reach to those that nobody wants God will give you the those that everybody wants if you reach to the people that nobody wants and you take the freedom of the power of the Holy Ghost to their life, God will put the doctors and the lawyers and the, and, and the generals and the people in your church that you never thought you could reach. But guess what? God makes you capable when you care about souls and you go to the least of these. God will help you let freedom reign in the most of these. In those that everybody wants. I'm not talking just about having great people in the church. I'm talking about reaching to those who have emotional prisons, reaching to those who are on spiritual lockdown. They come to church and they sit on the back row and they don't lift their hands because they just don't know how to get out spiritually. Are we too Pentecostal that we jump and dance around and we don't reach to the people who are locked out? I'm telling you today, there are people that God has a heart for that we need to reach, amen? Jesus, when he came off the cross, he was doing the atoning work for all mankind. And it said he took captivity captive. He went into death, hell, and grave and took a hold of the keys and he gathered up every captivity and took it with him. That is his mission for us. That we go into the captives and we take them captive and we walk out with them. So why do we have to struggle? I remember when we first started a church, it's still in my mind as a memorial. Tanya's mom was passing away. She came to church and she sat over on this side and I went over and I put my hand on her back and I was praying with her and she was just weeping and she didn't know why she was going through the cancer she was going through. She didn't understand why, but she still was a worshiper. Amen, somebody for a worshiper. Amen, somebody for a praiser in the prison. Amen, somebody. God has not forgotten her. I knew for a fact God is not forgetting you in your prison house. He has not put you there as a bondage or as a reason to punish you. God has put you in the prison house so you can praise until the place is shaken, so that you can praise as a prisoner, amen, so that you can show there's a higher freedom than your physical freedom. And I hate cancer more than anything. That's why I'm preaching with this today because I knew I was gonna be talking about it.
I hate it more than anything. But I know she was a worshiper. I know she went to be with the Lord. And I know that her story is a memorial in my life and to those kids and those grandkids because God did something with her worship. I remember a preacher that was preaching and he said, I, I've been preaching now for several days. Nothing's moving. Nothing's happening. So he called an elder and he said, Elder, I'm preaching my guts out. I can't get anything to happen. People are looking at me, staring at me, looking at, looking at me funny. He goes, I can't get the Holy Ghost moving. I don't know what's going on. He's like, well, did you pray? $60 million question. Of course I prayed. Did you fast? Of course I fasted. I've got one stripe left on my pajamas. I've been fasting till my belly button is chewing on my spine. Reese, thank you very much for that. Still sticking with me. Well, did you study? Of course I study. He said, well then, there's only one thing you have left to do. He's like, please tell me. He said, preach Jesus. He's like, okay, I'll preach Jesus. Then what do I do the next night? He goes, well, if it doesn't break loose, then preach Jesus again. He's like, well, what, what do you mean? He goes, preach everything you know about Jesus till freedom shows up in the house of God, until every person feels the reverberation of the power of the freedom that God has bought for us through Jesus Christ. Preach Jesus, and that's what I intend to do. That's what the Lord, I feel like the Lord has told me to do. I'm gonna preach Jesus until this building's too small. I'm gonna preach Jesus until everybody is set free. I'm gonna preach Jesus till sins are forgiven. I'm gonna preach Jesus till captives come out. I don't know what you've been through. I don't know where you've gone. I don't know the emotional pain that you've suffered through. I don't know the childhood traumas that may plague you at night. I don't know the tears you wet your pillow with, and I don't know the symptoms in your body that frighten you but Jesus is the answer Jesus is still freedom Jesus is still my liberator he's still the one who sets the captives free does that mean you're going to go back to the doctor and the diagnosis will change maybe not but you can praise while you're in that prison you can be like Paul and Silas and you can shake that jailhouse Eat your heart out, Elvis. Paul and Silas did the first jailhouse rock. Yeah. Right. Yeah. He got nothing on Paul and Silas. <laughs> Paul and Silas get to working in Macedonia. They, Paul had a Macedonian call. He knew God called them to that city. They get there and they are having church. And I don't mean church like us white folks say. They were having church. Toe stomping, devil chasing. You know what I'm talking about. One God apostolic, tongue talking, holy rolling, born again, heaven bound, believing, delivering, in power, Jesus' name. Church! They were getting it. And they had, like the band was getting it on that outtake of Glorious. I was like, get it, get it. And I was like, looking at scripture, I'm like, they are excited what God's doing. They've won Lydia. She's a seller of purple. The Bible says, like Tanya's mom, she worshiped God. 
Bible records she worshiped God. That was her credentials for being in the house of God and being noted in the word of God. She worshiped, any worshipers in here? Anybody wanna be recognized when you get to heaven? Hey, there's Reese, he was a worshiper. Hey, there's Karen, she was a worshiper of God. So they're like, man, we are having church. We want Sister Lydia. It's getting back to the church in Corinth. They're hearing about the revival. Sister Lydia, she sells purple. Purple was saved and very rare in those times. It was saved for royalty. Lydia had some change. Everybody say cha-ching. That's what you want in a church if you're trying to build a church from scratch. You want somebody with some cha-ching. I love all you, but Lord, give us a few millionaires so we can buy our own building. Hello, somebody. We need some Lydias to get saved. Help us get where God's calling us to go and get me a chai every Sunday. Amen, get a table. That's a word from the Lord. Put my chai right here. Lydia, God saved. And they are doing amazing things. And all of a sudden, Paul turns to this woman that finally grieves him and says, come out of her. Paul and Silas didn't just win a city. They shut down entire industries. Boom. I'm not going to drop the mic because I have to pay for this. Or you do, actually. So you don't want to drop it. They shut down entire industries. They, there was no more ability for her to do soothsaying because he had called the spirit of divination out of her. And so they were upset. So they took him before the magistrates and they said, these people are causing problems. It's not lawful for Romans to do this. They were under Roman rule there. And they said, okay, well, we'll beat him and put him in prison. That is the worst place for you to put Paul and Silas is in a jailhouse. Amen, somebody. The absolute worst place for you to put them. And so they decide, okay, we'll put them in prison. Paul and Silas, I don't know what their feelings were on the matter, but they probably were like, okay, whatever. But I would wonder if you and I are somewhat the same as other human beings, I wonder if Paul didn't go, wait a minute, church was going so great. We won Lydia, we won others. We're growing. God has provided resources for us to pay our way to, to where he wants us to go. And now we're in prison. I thought I had a call to be here. I thought God called me to do, I thought I was on mission for the Lord. Have you ever felt like you were doing something for God and everything goes wrong? Car drives into the church. Oh, sorry, pain point car drives into, I mean, everything's going wrong. And you, you think that Paul might for just a moment have thought, did I miss it? Have you ever been there? Did I miss it? Have I used up all these years of my life trying to do this thing that I felt God was calling me to and now he has forgotten about me? I don't know where you are right now, but I want to tell you that if you found yourself in a place of imprisonment, in your life and you never thought you would be there. You never thought you would have that D called divorce. You never thought you would be in a position you're in right now. You never thought you'd be looking at some debt in your life. But wherever you are right now, there's a higher freedom. The Bible says if, he live, if we lift him up, he'll draw all men unto him. So when we lift him up with our praise while in the prison house, he'll pull us up out of that feeling of containment, that feeling of captivity, and we'll feel a freedom that we cannot have any other way. I let that freedom reign in my life today. 
I let that freedom reign in my life today. This preacher that went to Halifax, Nova Scotia, a friend of mine, he was preaching a revival service and they went out and they did this like street ministry where they go out into the streets and they sing. And there's street musicians playing and other people do. And there was some, there, there were some people that were doing soothsaying or, or they were uh, telling people's fortunes down along the water. It was beautiful. It was like a, a water area and it was all concrete and they were like overlooking the water. And they took the church choir down and they began to sing praises. Just lift Jesus up. They, maybe they sing, I, I am free to run, I'm free to dance. Maybe they were singing that. And the guy who was doing the fortune telling runs over. He, didn't, he wasn't bothered by any of the other street musicians. But he runs over to them. He's like, stop it. Would you guys stop singing praises? I can't concentrate. I'm not hearing from the spirits. And they're, they're like, that's good. <laughs> you want the Holy Ghost? Because that's a better spirit. And he's like, just stop. And they didn't stop, of course. They kept praising God, and then they preached the gospel. He went back a year later, preached the same revival, went out on the streets to do the same street ministry, and the guy was standing there off to the side. And he said, after they had sung a couple of songs, he came up, he said, I don't know what you guys did, but you wrecked this place. He goes, I have not been able to hear from spirits in this location since you guys showed up last year and ruined my business. He wasn't very happy, but I don't care <laughs> because there is a higher spirit, there is a higher glory, there's a higher power, and you need to celebrate with me the fact that God has power over all things, amen? And so he was like, well, this is what we do. We set people free. And then... Paul and Silas is in jail and they're sitting there bound in their feet in stocks. You know what that is? Anybody ever seen stocks and they just basically lock your feet up? And I imagine, if you wouldn't mind with me, this is between the lines in the King James. I imagine the jailer is sitting around. Maybe it's a warm night and he's getting a drink of water and all of a sudden... He's feeling something. And before he felt something, he heard something. That's important to note. They began to sing. Paul and Silas are in prison, and the best idea they can come up with is let's sing praises. Just so you know, the best idea you can come up with when you feel captive by anything. If you feel pinned in by anything, the best thing to do is just begin to praise. The Bible said that they began to praise and the other prisoners heard them. That's a very important point, just so you know. The, the, the jailer had put them into the inner prison, but while they are in the same prison as the other prisoners, they begin to hear them sing praises. The thing that you do while you're in prison is very important, brothers and sisters. If you feel captive to anything, go ahead and praise the Lord. Can I tell you, let the other prisoners hear your praise. Let them hear your praise because your praise can shake the house. Amen? Your praise can set others free. It not only sets you free, it'll set others free. So the jailer's having himself a moment and it becomes midnight and all of a sudden at midnight each I, I just envision angels taking the corners of the building and start shaking and he's sitting there what I don't know what's going on it's 
Do I have your attention? <laughs> there's, it's just water. It'll clean up. It's, the building starts shaking, and he's like, I don't know what's happening, but something is happening. Doesn't Just because you're in prison doesn't mean God won't show up. And just because you're in prison doesn't mean other prisoners will not feel the delivering power of God for you. Your imprisonment is there for you to set others free. I remember a story about a baseball player. He was headed toward the major leagues. It was when we were in Virginia. His I don't remember his name, but he was the fastest pitch in Virginia. And there were scouts coming. He was going to go straight to major leagues. He was going to skip college and go right to major baseball. And while he was pitching incredible speeds, the diagnosis came that he had a head tumor. They found out he had a tumor on his brain and he got a surgery and he lost his ability to pitch the way he pitched. And everybody in that little town he was from in Virginia said, what a tragedy. What an absolute tragedy that he was going to be such a pillar to our community. We would have been able to put up a trophy and say, that this great pitcher that did great things in the major league was from this small town and bring notoriety, but yet he ended up not being able to move as well as he could. Went all through therapy, got everything close to where it was at, but never pitched the way he pitched before again. And then he went to, to lunch with, with another preacher friend that I have, and the preacher friend started talking to him, and he told him his story, and he said he was grieved by the story, but when the man got done, he said, whenever I came out of the surgeries and all of all of the stuff that I had to go through the therapy I started going to baseball camps and talking to kids and helping them pitch better and he goes and I realized that that's not where God wanted me to be. God wanted me to be in another place. And so I started going to the cancer wards where kids were. And I started talking to children that were staring death in the face. He goes, and my ministry became turned from what I was going to do to what I could do for the Lord. And my prison of a tumor in my brain became my ministry to others. And now he goes in and he prays over kids and cancer rewards and he comforts them with the power of God's spirit all because of something that attacked his own body. I'm telling you, you mess up a prison when you put a praiser in jail. You can mess up a world and change things forever if you keep your praise in the prison house. Let freedom reign. Amen, somebody. He told that preacher, he goes this, he goes, I don't miss baseball. I don't miss anything. He said, this is the best thing that ever happened to me. And I know now this was the course of my life. This is what God wanted me to do. Praise until freedom reigns. Praise until the Lord enters the prison. Last two points. Let the praisers hear your praise. And their bands will be loosed as well as yours, the scripture says. Their worship and their praise not only loosed them from captivity, but loosed everybody in the building. God may put you in a prison because there's a Philippian jailer that needs to be saved. God may put you in a prison not because of what you did, not because of how good or how bad you've been, but he may put you in a place to save somebody else. And that is the story of Jesus. Go in and take them with you. Paul and Silas went into that prison and when it started shaking, everybody got loose. Everybody got set free. Stand with me, would you?
I know I've done a lot of yelling because I'm excited. But I have personally experienced this. <clears throat> now I'm to the story I feel I was going to tell earlier. I just didn't have the guts to tell it. And I needed a little bit of more Holy Ghost feeling to feel released to tell it. <clears throat> My cousin introduced me to pornographic magazines in Alaska when I was very young. And uh, it was in a little fort that we had. He, he put them underneath the wood in, in little plastic bags. And I didn't go looking for it. I didn't search it out. But the enemy knew what was in my heart and knew what was in my generation's past. And he stuck it in front of me. And I, going when I left for Bible college, I had to fast for two weeks to be a spirit of pornography, what I call a spirit of pornography. And the Lord helped me to get over that. And the reason why that is so shameful in our culture is because we think some sins are greater than other sins, and they're not. The Lord looks at sin all the same, amen? But while I was in that prison house and praying my way out, the Lord talked to me and said, when you break this chain, you're going to help others break this chain. Amen, somebody? And so from that day forward, I have helped five young men who are still in the church today break an overcoming power of lust in their life. I was not only set free, but I took them out with me. Amen. And so from, from this day, there are people, there, there has been situations where people have walked up to me in other churches and said, I'm struggling with lust. Could you help me? God brought them to me to help them. And I had to go back and source them through their pastor and go through the right channels. But because they saw the Holy Ghost on me, a spirit of freedom, and they knew that I came from a hard past, they were willing to have the bravery to come and say, I'm fighting this. Would you take my hand and would you help me get out of here? So they not only saved all of them, but they saved the Philippian jailer and his family and his whole household. The Bible said he believed and they expounded the word of God to him more fully. And then from that expounding, they went and baptized him all in the name of Jesus Christ. And God filled them with his spirit. I'm telling you, I am not afraid of the gospel of Jesus Christ for it is the power of God unto salvation. It sets men free. And I don't care if you're bound until the day they tap you on the chest with a shovel by sickness or struggle or cancer takes you off this planet. I don't know what you deal with or mental abuse or physical or verbal abuse. Whatever it is, you keep fighting the good fight of faith. You keep believing that there is a greater power working inside of me that's going to conquer this thing and I'm going to let freedom reign over everything else in my life. Would you lift your hands right now and just share with me a moment of worship? God, I don't know who's here that needs to get out but today their praise is their weapon. Their worship is what's going to give them victory in this warfare. God, I thank you for a spirit of freedom that I feel in this house today. Thank you for the power of Pentecost. You set the captives free. So I'm praying right now, Jesus, that you release somebody from whatever it is. I don't know what you're struggling with, 
Maybe you had a plan that didn't come to pass. Maybe you didn't get what you thought you would get. Maybe there's something you're struggling with. Would you come and give it to Jesus today? If you're struggling in body and you feel captive, come and let freedom reign. Let your hands be lifted. Let your heart be encouraged that God knows right where you are. And your problem is his problem. Your struggle is his struggle. He took it on the cross for you and he set you free today. Thank you, God, for your power. Release somebody to saving grace today, I pray. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Come on, let your praise go up to the Lord right now. We're going to break some chains right now. He's a prison-shaking Savior. He's a chain-breaker. Lift your faith right now and believe. There is not a place where you cannot get out of right now. He can set you free in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. No more shackles. No more chains. No more bondage. I 